You are listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. For more information on my book and other resources, check out yellingcurebook.com. Hello and welcome back. It's Robin here. And on today's podcast, I'm talking to you about something that I bet all of you have fantasized about doing at one time or another. My guest today is Andrea Heiskoff, and she is a Danish author and journalist living off the grids in the wild woods of southern Sweden. She's lived with her husband and four kids in the forest for more than six years. She's the author of a children's book and a memoir called Escape to the Wild and often holds engaging talks and about the impacts of life-changing decisions. And, and this book actually is the reason why we're talking today. Escape to the Wild is, is her book and it actually is released on October the 18th. And, um, and what I, you know, I am fascinated, Andrea, welcome, welcome to, I, I'm just so fascinated about you doing this and I, I'm sure there are so many parents out there that have fantasized about this, have threatened this, like, I'm going to take all of your, your devices away. We're going to go and live in the woods because, you know, I just can't take it anymore. And there was something that I read about you that really caught my attention. And I think so many people can relate to that. And this is that your family life at one point before you moved off the grid was so hectic and complicated. And you said here that no matter how fast you ran, you never really got anywhere. And no matter how much you worked, you never had enough money. And I think so many people can relate to that. Yeah, I know. I know. It's actually been quite overwhelming after the book came out in Denmark to discover that so many parents actually recognize these feelings of, of despair and frustration and Mm. All of this, the reality of, of, you know, family life. And I thought I was kind of alone with that, but it's been such a great experience to, to, mm. to see the impact the book has had here in Denmark because so uh, many have responded to it. Mm. Right. Yes. So, so, so paint a bit of a picture for me. You, yeah. uh, you are a, also a child psychologist by trade, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that is what, so that's what you were doing. That's the life you're living with your four kids, working as a professional. What was the tipping point for you that made you say, okay, enough is enough? Well, it's, a, it's an accumulation of frustration, right? And I think a lot of people know this feeling that just more and more things are being put on top of a higher and higher mountain or pile of things that you need to do and you're unhappy with. But what, what actually... Um, what really affected this whole thing was a sentence that my husband said and that just kind of turned everything upside down. He was, having, he was going through a hard time uh, and was sitting in the sofa, just, you know, normally depressed as one tends to be <laughs> when everything is hectic and chaotic and stressful. And then he was just saying, you know, Andrea, what if it's not, what if it's not us? What if this, it's not us there's something wrong with? What if it's not our fault what if you know what if what if this is out the reason for all this frustration is out there and it's not because there's something wrong with us and that just kind of tipped everything around for me because I, th I thought that if I felt stressed it was because I needed to exercise more or be better at saying no or 
bake my own bread or something. Um, but, but there was actually a situation around us that made life very complicated and difficult. And, and it was so nice to actually just hear him say that loud. That was, it was like a sucker punch in the, in the, in the stomach, you know, mm. it was that sentence that opened up a conversation between us and also between us as parents with the, with the children, a conversation about what is the good life and what do we want to do? Let's imagine we're good, free, strong human beings. What would we like to do? Mm. And it was kind of like a game we played in the family. We, be we began to talk about this fantasy that what if we were free, what, what would we like to do? And that's how it all began actually. And so it led you to leaving everything yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know maybe we are a bit radical as uh, as people, me and, and Yeba, but but it did because the moment we realized that, you know, this is hypocrisy. We are living in a hypocrisy. We want to spend more time with our children, but we don't. We want we want to be better parents, but we're not. You know, the, the moment you really you open your eyes and realize this is the fact of life, you know, and, and start making excuses, this is how our life is, then we needed to change. It was really a moment of, of clarity because it would have been hypocrisy to really understand it, you know, deep down on a, on a deep level, understand this and not react. Right, that, yes. That, and, you know, we would have died as, as human beings. Mm -hmm. you know, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so then how long did it take you from the moment that he, those words were put out there till you actually moved? Very, very fast. I think two or three months. Um, yeah. Because I, I had a blog at the time and I, I wrote about these conversations on the blog and I wrote down what we were talking about in the family, what we wanted. And, and we, everybody wanted to get back to nature in a way. Mm. And I wrote about that. And this guy in Sweden writes an email to me. And he says, you know, I own a lot of forest here in Sweden. Uh, you're very welcome to just come and live here and take down the trees you need to build your own log cabin. You know, and wow. bam. Then, we, <laughs> then the opportunity presented itself. And if we had said no, we would have. I think continued to dream for years and years and years and nothing would have happened. So it was, it was kind of a game changer that may, you know, talk about it being meant to be. Yeah, yeah. that is because really, where would you choose to go? How would you do yeah. it? So did you have experience yeah. in building a home? Did you have? No, no. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> we did not. The, this, uh, this was an experiment in uh, the long, hard, stupid way, you know, and actually if we talk about child raising and, and being role models, you know, sometimes you don't need to be an expert because that can stop you from doing something because you think you need to be an expert before you do anything. We didn't know anything and we were so bad at living in the wilderness in the first many, many, many months. Um, but necessity kind of taught us the things we needed to know. And, and that was a great learning experience. Mm. I, I believe in learning by doing, and I believe in failing also as an important, yes. you know, very important lesson for, for everyone, yeah, for your kids, everything. Yeah. And so what I think you're saying is ignorance was bliss for you, right? You didn't know what you didn't know. And that was a good thing, right? Yeah. Because too much information can turn you away. I, I totally get that. Yeah, you know, and, and if you sit and think about it too much, there will be all kinds of problems and all kinds of things stopping you. We were just at a moment of utter desperation in our family. And I think, you know, 
that's an important part of our story that we were really at a at a crossroad in our life. Mm-hmm. We we were really feeling miserable, and we acknowledged that we were feeling miserable. Yes. So we had to do something, right. you know. And I would have preferred living in a castle in France or something, and being being self sufficient, wearing a hat or something. But this email, you know, came kind of from the universe, and that was that was the opportunity. Then we just went with it. Mm. So if, if the first few months were really hard for you, yeah. what yeah. made you stay the course? What made you keep doing it? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to describe without sign, sounding like a total hippie, but so <laughs> bear with me. Hippie is fine. I love it. It's yeah, good. Right. <laughs> it's just a sense of the sense of freedom, you know, it's mm-hmm. like a it's like a taste on the tip of your tongue or like a, like your fingertips, you know, a sense of freedom, mm-hmm. a sense of this is how life is supposed to be. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to work with my children. I'm supposed to use my hands and my body and, you know, do something in the world instead of just sitting, contemplating about all the things I don't think I can right. do anything about. So that was just like that state of mind, that sort of existence. As soon as we tried it, it was kind of, you know, there was no going back because it was okay. such a powerful experience. So even though it was hard, you were still had the resolve to do it because it, it felt undeniably true that this is where you needed yes. to be. Okay. Yeah. You're very good at, 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 you know, phrasing it. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, um, so one of the things that, that is important, I think for people listening to know is that you weren't far away from some civilization and from some grocery stores and stuff like that. So it's not like it was all of a sudden you were in the woods, you were hunter, hunting, gathering, building and all that. You did have some things, mm-hmm. right? But like, what were some of the things that when looking back that you didn't have that you wish you had? Like, what are the well, things you miss the most about the civilized yeah. world? Well, I, I kind of wish that we had brought buckets with us. <laughs> with us the first buckets. Time. Yeah, buckets is just like a very smart invention of human of the human <laughs> humanity's great invention. Buckets, yes. A bucket. Okay, I love it. Yeah, That's um, you know, I don't think I'm I didn't miss that much in the beginning, to be honest. It was just such a feeling of being free. So okay. years later I would, you know, I could miss a kebab or you know french fries or something but (laughs) (laughs) but it's not like you know hardcore missing it's just some things are nice but you can live without them i think i'm i'm thinking even four kids in the woods like you must have gotten dirty like how did you clean yourself how did you clean your clothes was there a water source that was safe nearby how do you handle that stuff well, the thing about living off grid or living in the wilderness is that you will get dirty. And I think, you know, when, when you're presented with images of, of families or people living in the wild, it, it tends to be um, beautiful pictures. And, and that's just not the reality. We were very, very dirty and very, <laughs> you know, our, cl- our cl- clothes was very dirty and we were very dirty. We washed in a river and uh, I actually, it was one of the biggest uh, the first arguments between me and Yeppe because I was uh, the one supposed to do the laundry because he was building the cabin. And I didn't know how to do laundry without a laundry machine. 
but I remember that I saw, you know, in television shows or something, how, you know, how poor people would do the laundry. So I would take all the laundry down to the river and sit there and wash it. But it was so cold oh. and so uncomfortable. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to put, I'm going to place the clothes in the river here and put some rocks on it and then let the river stream through the clothes so it can magically be clean. That was what I told myself. And that was how we lost 90% of our clothes. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> from the river. Oh, no. The, the long, hard, stupid way, as I said, yes. Oh. Doing laundry was terrible. It, it, is, it is, that's another great invention, the laundry machine. Wow. Okay. So that, holy cow. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that, but you did end up working it out. Yeah. And figuring out a way. Okay. Yeah. But, but, but you have to surrender to just some of the things like you can't be as clean as you were, you know, and that brings up a question to me that I I hadn't thought of, you know, what Mm -hmm. about, okay. So uh, here I'm thinking about my own self, right? I, I carry hand sanitizer with me. You know, we're washing our hands all the time. We are, you know, we're really clean people, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and part of the reason why we're so clean is so that we don't get colds and the flu and stuff like that. So how did that work with you guys? Now that you are separated from everybody else, did that mean that you didn't get sick? in a traditional way of cold and flu season or, you know, how, how did that work for you guys? Yeah, no, we didn't get us sick, you know, and, and actually there's lots of studies that, that argues that dirt is actually very good for, for our immune system. So I think this layer of dirt kind of protected us in many ways, to be honest. Um, but I know it's a, it's a big thing for people living in, in a normal society, this it's a very integral part of our society that we must be clean all the time. So, so I know that when people come and visit us, this, the dirtiness is overwhelming to, to a lot of modern people. But once you get used to it, it's, it's not that bad, I think. And, and I can see the effects that we didn't get as sick as we did when we lived in our normal life back home. Mm-hmm. And, and you bring up a really good point. I mean, yes, there is healthy bacteria in, in dirt. And I, yeah, I so, I so understand. Uh, and, and I am a product of a modern world, right? So I, you know, I don't think about stuff like that, but, but I do know that to be true. So that is, that is a really good funny? though there's a lot of things we know but we kind of forget it in in you know the hectic of everyday life but I think one of the things that stressed me the most in my in my own life was this internal need for cleaning cleansiness is that the word you know cleanliness cleanliness and you know order and perfection and all that and Mm. it was such a liberation to let that go and actually focus on being a mother and a woman and a human being because it, it just it took up so much of my time and my mental space, these demands, you know? Wow. I think that is a profound thing that you just said, because so many of us, myself included, you yeah. know, we, I am, I am definitely caught up in, in things like that. And, um, you know, I, I, as much as I, I don't believe in perfection, look, mm-hmm you know, I like things to look nice and I like to, you know, I like to look nice. I like to be clean and and all of that, but it is a mental stress, right? A mental stress that I think we accept and we don't even realize that we are wrapped up in it, if you will. Exactly. And that's the problem that it's just like, it's it's unconscious. Uh, It Mm. it just, it affects us so much and we're not even realizing how much it affects us. Mm. And to just let all that go, Mm. it was just such a beautiful thing, really. 
so really let the letting go you were able to to just be true to yourself yeah yeah you could just be you and didn't have to put on makeup didn't have to put on fancy clothes didn't you could just be you and then be because you didn't have the stress of the job, the stress of, I mean, you had different stress, like, let's be yeah, honest, there were still some stress, right? Um, different kind of stress. And that is a big difference, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about your kids a little bit, if, if you're yeah. okay with that. So I want to know first, first, how old were they? You've got four kids. What were their ages when you embarked on this journey? Uh, I have twins, Bessan and Victoria, and they were 16 when we went away. And Silas, he was 14, and bless you. And uh, <laughs> and Sigurd, he was uh, eight, eight months old. Okay, 16-year-old twins? Yeah. That yeah. is, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how? Okay, so... Okay, so with all these kids, okay, well, I, I obviously want to know how the teenagers handled it, but okay, who took it the best? Yeah. Probably the 18-month-old, uh, but who had the hardest time with it and why? Actually, I believe it was Silas, the middle child, because Sebastian and Victoria were quite, um, um, how can I put this? They were not super happy with their life because there's a lot of stress factors around being 16 and having the time of your life and having a million friends and you know mm-hmm. i actually think they were they said that they were very stressed in our old life too so to them this was an adventure this this was you know we we were going on an expedition and and that made sense for them because they were in a state of like an existential state of mind thinking about what is the good life and who do i want to be and all that so so it made sense for them and as you said obviously Sigurd, he's ha- he's had in my mind's eyes the perfect childhood he grew up surrounded by his flock naked eating blueberries all day he he had a really really nice childhood but for Silas, it was difficult because he was he was at the age where he had friends in schools and it was important to be normal and and all that you know he was in a different state um, so it was difficult for him and and that was actually you know this is I, I understand this is a podcast about parenting and and I think this was the biggest realization I, I had about parenting that I cannot you know there were different needs and wants in our, within our family. And if I chose one need over another need, you know, someone would suffer. So no matter what I did, if I stayed in our old life or if we went into the woods, somebody in the family would suffer. How do you deal with that? You know, that's, you? Like, that's a moral, you know, that's a big moral question. How do you do that? And, and what kind of released me was thinking that you know everybody makes radical life choices on behalf of their children it's just if you do what everybody else does it is not that visible but you're still making radical life choices you know sending them to school or raising them in a certain way is radical so just accepting that being a mother meant that i would take radical choices on behalf of my children and just like owning that was was um, was really a big liberation for me and, and a, quite an eye-opener, actually. Because mm-hmm. in my old life, I was just, you know, manically trying to make everybody feel good and, and 
but just like owning that that's the role of me as a as a mother this is what i i i must live in a way that i think is right and mm. sometimes it will be not that great and sometimes it will be great you know okay so so what i hear you saying is you know we're making decisions for our kids all the time anyway yeah, so here is yeah. here this one is a radical decision, no doubt. But but what you're saying as a parent is you have to be there yeah. to, regardless of whether you're in a big city or you're or you are in the wilderness, you still need to be there to hold space for your child's emotions and feelings because they're going to feel feelings regardless of where they are. Exactly. Right? exactly. And so so Silas, he yeah. he did have a harder time transitioning. Yes. Uh, whereas the other kids were were more welcoming to it. Yeah. And and it, it what I kind of want to say, and I'm not sure if this is right, but it's like, you know, the problems are gonna be there whether you're in the wilderness or not. So we've got to work with them, right? Yeah. They're, they're gonna go with you no matter what. So so Silas. Yeah. May, may have a certain temperament. He may have certain needs and wants that 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 are going to follow him wherever he goes. So yeah. you just surrendered to that and yeah. said, "Okay, look, no matter where we are, we're going to have this go on. So yeah. how do I now, as a parent, work with him to make sure that I get his needs met in the best way possible?" Is that yes. accurate to say? That it's very accurate. I think you're very good at summarizing what I'm trying to say. Okay, <laughs> good. But I want to say, I want to say that I think that what came out of this process for me as a parent, the real, the realization that I had was really that, you know, it, it, this will sound kind of banal maybe, but I have to be who I am as a mother. I tried because I had my twins when I was a very, I was a young mother. So I really tried to do what I was supposed to do and conform into this image of the good mother. And I worked so hard, so, so hard. And, and this realization that I just, you know, I must be who I am. Mm -hmm. And there will be good things about that and really bad. It will suck in some ways that I'm your mother. That's <laughs> how it is, you know? Yeah. That was just, that was just really, that was, that was also quite liberating to just let that whole, the good mother thing oh. go and just be me, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and look, I think that's, that's something it, a lot of us feel, uh, right? It is, it yeah. is the weight of, yeah. of, of wanting to be such a great mom. And I, I mean, what a beautiful intention. Of course we yeah. want to be the best moms, but then, but then you add moms and dads, right? Yeah. Um, and then you add the pressure of everyday life and all of these things that come on and we lose sight of what it is that we really, what, what is the basic, which is to be there for oh, our nice. kids, to honor their feelings and needs and also be true to who you are, you know? Yeah. Um, and, now, okay, so so let me just let me just say, with Silas, or sorry, Silas, he yeah. did have. So, how did you work with him to to help him get his needs met and, and help him to to thrive in this environment? Well, one of the things that he wanted to, we were homeschooling at this point in time, and and one of the things that he thought was difficult was not having people at the same age as him around. In the beginning, we, we made all kinds of like extra uh, arrangements with, with the adults. We took extra time with him and all that, but we actually decided that he should go back to school because he wanted to. And, and we uh, listened to that. And so he actually began in school. 
and the school bus came, you know, driving because the system in Sweden is just like very elaborate. So they would send a bus into the wilderness and pick up Silas and drive him to school every every morning, which was fantastic in a way. And yeah. and he, that was good for him. And luckily, we were living in an area with, you know, if you get far enough away from the cities, you will find people with a more, you know, flexible mindset is my experience. Mm -hmm. So uh, we thought it would be problematic that we were living like we were in, in the forest, but the other children were very welcoming and they would, would go out and hunt and fish together. And, you know, it, it was, it was, a, it sounds almost too perfect, but it really was, it really was a good thing. And, and I'm happy about that. Well, how awesome is that, that you honored what his needs were and found a way to make it work? That is yeah. fantastic. Uh, yeah, and you didn't dig your, you didn't dig your heels into the fact that, look, we're homeschooling. That's it. Yeah. Period. End of story. You said, mm -hmm. okay, no, like what, how can we work this out? And that's something that I say to parents all the time. Like you're, you need to look at it as a puzzle that you can fix so that you create a win-win, you know, yeah. and you weren't, you, it sounds like you weren't so stubborn to say, well, we cannot do this. We refuse to do this. Mm -hmm. You, like you said, had a more flexible mindset. And I think that is the key. That is the key. Uh, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that is something that we learned very much in the, in the forest, because when we get, got there, we were, we were very idealistic and uh, mm -hmm. we had very great ideas about what kind of family we, we wanted to be. But as the months and the years passed, we became pragmatic people, you know, mm -hmm. just plain old pragma pragmatism, <laughs> what works. And, you know, I don't want to be, we were hooked after some years, we got hooked up to the internet also because that was a need that we had as a family. And I don't want to be, you know, living somebody else's fantasy about how you are supposed to be if you live in the wilderness. I want to be me. I want to be with my family and do whatever works for us, you know. Yeah, the last thing you want to do now is to be perfect living exactly. off the grid. Exactly. That's just a new box, right? It's just a new box you will place yourself in then. But I, I struggle with that, I must admit. But, but, you know, just living the way we did made these choices very easy, easier than in our old life because we just, we, we turned into problem solvers. We had yeah. to solve you know, not, not think forever about the things, but just solve the problem, get on with it. You are currently listening to the Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And please don't forget to subscribe. And I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with me, all my details are in the show notes. And for a copy of my book, go to yellingcurebook.com. Now back to the show. One of the things that I want to ask you about is the fact that your twins were 16. Now, I know that with teenagers, they're in high school, you must have been thinking about, okay, they're in high school, soon we're going to need to get them to... Um, through 
to the end of their their um, their high school education so that they can go to university so that they can get a job so that they can be a part of the system right like we're all wrapped up in right so many yeah. parents I know we're so focused on school on education getting them into university and stuff like that so how did you and look I, I see that you have a different mindset about the way you do things so I know you aren't gonna have a typical answer but I know most parents are gonna think I could never take my kids out of school at 16 because I'm going to ruin their future. So how did you reconcile that with the age of your kids? Well, actually, I'm, I'm maybe I'm going to sound maybe a bit radical now, but, <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway. I think the way our society is going is like heading for a fall. I don't think it will maintain the way it is right now. I think big changes are coming either via the climate crisis or via social political, geopolitical turmoil. Something is going to happen. And I want my kids to be ready for that. I want them to be skilled and I want them to have, have the self-confidence that a changing world will demand from them. So that was really how I kind of justified this in my mind because I am so certain that it's not gonna last forever what is going on right now. I think they need other skills than what they're being taught in school. Um, that being said, they do have an education and the system in Denmark is very different from, from many other countries. So they can al always go back and have an education. We have the security system, you know? So I know that makes us very privileged and I'm very thankful about that. Uh, it also, uh, I think that obliges us that we are privileged. So we have to experiment a little, we have the resources to experiment a little bit. And, and that's how I thought with my children. They have this education. They can always go back to Denmark and continue their education if they want to. It's not that big of a deal. Let's try and teach them something else, you know? Wow. And, and that's just, that's how I thought about it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think that, I, I still think that takes a lot of courage. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so uh, you're, so how, so how old are they now? They're 21. Now. They're 21. Oh my gosh! So yeah, 22. I know it's easy. it's easy. You got four. It's hard. To, it's hard to remember yeah, yeah. all our ages. <laughs> Never mind their names. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So um, okay, so so they're 22 ish yeah. now. Um, and can you tell me a little bit of like what does life look for them? Did they go back to school? Did they complete their education? You know, look, I'm just curious about the education piece. And I hear what you're saying that the traditional way of school, you know, doesn't work for everybody, may not be working for our society as a whole, but it is what it is right now. Yeah. So, what does it look like for them right now? Well, uh, Sebastian, he decided to take uh, education as a, oh, I don't know the English word, word when you work as a teacher or in kindergarten, a ped pedagogue or something, is it called that? Well, it's um, kind of like a teacher. He's, he's taking okay. an education as a teacher. He wants to work with uh, children who has low self-esteem and his dream is to like take them into nature and teach, teach them basic skills because he believes it changed a lot for him and he wants to pass on that experience. Victoria is the wild one. She went out uh, sailing around the world in an old boat 
And then she went to Ibiza and worked as a bartender for a year. And, then she, <laughs> so, and now she's traveling to Mexico um, to meet some friends. And she's working between these travels, but that's what she wants to do. And I totally support that. She, she wants to be an artist and I'm a writer. So I, I can tell her that she's not going to make any money, but, you know, <laughs> she can do it, you know. But that's okay because it's her life to live and you just can support her and that's beautiful I'm supporter. and I actually think that I when they talk to their peers I can see that they're different because they live a different life and and they have parents who who support them living a different life but when I hear them talk with their their peers there's so much stress going on for that age group right now so you know so much worry about the future and mm-hmm. and I think that it has given Sebastian and Victoria in some ways some kind of status that they have at least you know they're not worried that much they can do what they want to they have a they have another sense of freedom i think Mm -hmm. and i think youth nowadays also need role models or some people to do other things and and talk about that and just be there because we had that when we were children right in in my in my childhood we had we had the weirdos and the hippies and the and the strange people right they're almost (laughs) gone now but we need them the free spirits. Yes. 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 Exactly. yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think what it comes down to, what I think so many of us are stressed with is money, money yeah. status. And mm. you have shown your kids that that doesn't matter anyway. Right. Yeah. Because you know, and, and we, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have lived, you know, we, we are poor, we're still poor and just reclaim it, not reclaiming it, but owning it in a way things it makes it very clear for them what are the ups and what are the, the downs of our lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Clearly, we don't have a lot of money, but then what do we have on the other hand? Right. And, and they can, you know, they can choose what they want to do. Mm. And abundance is not defined by money. It's defined Absolutely. by... I'm, I'm an anti, anti-materialist now and an anti-capitalist yeah. and everything. So Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I can tell now. Now, present day you live in Denmark. So you yes. have moved out of the wild, out of the forest, and now you live in Denmark. So can you tell me what, how did you make that decision to move back? And, well, and, and how hard was that for you? Well, let me begin with the last question. I think it's very hard. And, and I haven't been here for, for that long. I think I've been here for six months or eight months now. And I think it's very, very difficult we're still living the lifestyle. We're still, you know, thriving to to hold on to our values. But it's it's increasingly difficult because we're confronted with um, things in a way that we were not in the forest. It's it's kind of easier when you're not confronted with these dilemmas and money and materialism and all that. When you're just like hiding somewhere, it can in a way be easier. So I think it's very difficult, and I miss the forest a lot. I must be honest. Um, I like that I'm working with the community here because what happened and also the reason why we moved back was that the big, the older kids moved away from home. And then we were just sitting there, you know, what, what is the purpose? We wanted to do this as a family. And then, you know, they were so old and they went out traveling and everything. What do we want to do now? You know, so that was, and, and what we decided was that we wanted to, focus on the communal aspect of um of you know life we we had been focusing on being a family on building our tribe 
and we learned a lot from that and we did build our tribe and, and we did heal a lot of wounds in our family. Mm-hmm. But then what, you know, then we have to do something and, and, you know, put it back into our culture in a way. And that's what we're trying to do now. Mm-hmm. So this is really just the next phase, right? Yeah. This is just the next, the next adventure. Step. Yeah. But I can imagine how hard it would be because you have preserved this special way of being, of Mm -hmm. living. And I would imagine that you cherish that. But like you say, you are confronted with different things that, that brings some of those new stressors back and reminds you of the way things were before and you you so want to preserve it i'm sure you want to go running back to the woods some days forget it (laughs) absolutely do you is that still an option for you it is i'm i'm thinking about it sometimes but but you know no it's a struggle and and sometimes it it is hard and i just want to own that also and just you mm. know deal with it 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 is mm. hard but i will find another way I'm yeah sure. and that's what life is too it's 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 yeah. tackling the struggles that are in front of you and how do you maintain your sense of self and your values and your priorities in a world that is mm. sometimes very dysfunctional Absolutely. And I think that one of the biggest like problems in our culture is we have this idea or this notion of a paradise, a a paradise, like we can reach some sort of paradise, paradise state of mind or salvation or happiness and beauty, you know, this state where everything will be okay. And that state of mind, it just, it doesn't exist. Life is not like that. It will never be 100% okay all of the time. Never. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're striving towards something that is impossible, like happiness and joy and all that. It's a fleeting experience. It will be there and sometimes you will feel bad and sometimes you will feel mm-hmm. great. It's just the way life is, you know. And I think that is, that is actually the biggest lesson I got from the woods, just accepting change, you know. And I will, I will not reach that, that state where everything will be perfect. It's just forget that let it go, throw it out. It doesn't exist. Wow. Okay. So really, no matter where you are, no matter what you do, this utopia, this, this perfection doesn't exist. However, you can, I believe, and I think you're saying this too, with your state of mind, you can surrender to what is too, and you can accept it. Look, there are going to be ups and downs. You Mm. are going to have good days and bad days. And the good days are okay and the bad days are okay too, right? Exactly. Yeah, and so exactly. no matter whether you live in, a, in, in the woods, you live in a, a big city, we, mm. we do need to accept what is and, yes. and not, not try to be perfect and, and, uh, and, just, and just be be more and do less mm. maybe. Yeah, I think you're so right. And I think this is maybe the whole, the biggest like challenge in parenting is what we're talking about right now. Yeah. This is like, this is the, the dragon we must slay in, in, in our parenthood in a way that this is something I believe very firmly. Yeah, I believe it too. And, and, and look, I, I also struggle with it. You know, I, I'm not perfect and, and nor will I ever be and nor do I want to be because that's yeah, right. gross. <laughs> that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, um, I think it is a challenge for us all. And I think it's a life lesson and it's something to, to keep in mind and to strive for and to, you know, that is, 
the surrender to what is to to yes. to to just be to be in the moment and mm -hmm. do less and not not feel that we have to and i do think you're right i think there is a shift i know there is a shift to mm -hmm. to a different way of thinking and being and um yeah. and i just want to thank you so much for your for this experience and for sharing this with everybody because really i know that there are people that are thinking oh if only if only yeah. he could live in the woods yeah, I know. I know a lot of people dream about it. So yeah. I wrote the book and told the story. And I know that some people think that, you know, when they have read the book, oh, I'm going to just go and do it. And other people are just, oh, no, that's not for me anyways. And I'm happy about that. You know, it's just an account of what happened. And it's for such, you know. Well, and you don't glorify it in any way, shape, or form no, in your book. You tell it for real, the hard times, the good times. And uh, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave all of the details on how to get your book. And so you can either live vicariously through you or they can go and try it for themselves. But the book is Escape to the, Escape to the Wild and, uh, and launches October 18th. So again, thank you so much, Andrea. Fascinating to talk to you. And uh, I wish you all the best. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.